0: You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them, and with that, I'll get you back into the regular program.
1: Hi, this is Ann Heinrichs with Adventive Cross-Cultural Initiative, and you're listening to Engaging Mission Show. Welcome to the Engaging Mission Show with Brian Entzminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers, and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger.
0: Hi, and welcome to the Engaging Missions show. It's really great to have you. In this week's episode, we're going to talk with our guest about ministry in what some would consider a developed country, and this is really pertinent because— even though there's a lot of focus on ministry in what we would consider the developing world, there are real spiritual needs everywhere. We're also going to touch briefly on what goes into a short two to three minute testimony, as well as the key to being able to pray for lots of people in need. Scott McClelland of Foundational Missions is going to join us for a short leadership moment, and that will be continuing his current series on leadership. And you're going to want to make sure that you check out the show notes, which are available at engagingmissions.com slash Jacob Bach, because not only does Jacob offer some great resources, but he offers links to places where you can find even more resources. So you're going to find that really valuable. That's engagingmissions.com slash Jacob Bach. With that, we're going to go ahead and get right into this week's episode. All right, let's get started. Today's a really special a special treat for me. Back when I was much younger, Jacob Bach was the youth and the children's pastor at the church I grew up in. Um, but then, you know, before I reached youth group age, he and his family actually left the U.S. to be missionaries to Spain. That was about 30 years ago. And I'm really happy to have him on the show for a couple of reasons. First, I gotta tell you, it's just great to catch up and hear what God's been doing, but even beyond that, His ministry isn't really something that i choose for myself. It's open-air proclamation, but God's been blessing it, and I think it's really important for us, or at least for me, to open up our hearts and our minds to the amazing variety of ways that God does things. We'll get a little bit back into that in a minute, but Jacob, welcome to the show.
2: Well, thank you, Brian. Good to hear from you again.
0: Yeah, no kidding. So I have a little bit of an advantage because I did know you a a long time ago, but let's be honest, 30 years, a lot's happened, and I've summed all of that up in like 30 seconds. So would you mind, as we get to know you, just maybe share a little bit about yourself and your family?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, uh, we went to Bible college in North Dakota at at Trinity Bible College and, uh, did, like you mentioned, uh, children's and youth work at at Jamestown, North Dakota for two and a half years. I took a missions trip in 1982 to Spain and Holland and God just totally gave me a heart transplant. I mean, I thought I was probably going to do ministry in the States for the rest of my life, but God just gave me a heart transplant for Spain. Um, there's nothing else that I wanted to do in my life, but to, to, to go to Spain and, and proclaim the gospel. And so um, I met my wife at Bible college. We married Julie. And just to kind of fast forward, uh, we were youth and children's pastors for about two and a half years, We were approved for missions, itinerated for a year, went to language school for a year, and in 1986 landed in Spain um, and have been here ever since. So uh, we've been involved in um, evangelism in some way or another throughout uh, the last 30 years.
0: So you mentioned that it was a short-term missions trip that kind of sparked this heart change for you. Can you share a little bit more about how God called you to do this?
2: Yeah, um, well, to, to missions. I can give you, tell yeah. you how he called me to missions. And then specifically, he's, he's kind of transitioned me into different ministries while I've been here. But like missions, you know, when I came... Um, we were we were sitting in in, in in chapel at Bible College when the Assemblies of God missions department they had a, a short term missions department called MAPS back in the day and and Lamar Headley was was coming through and he said we need uh, young college kids to go help f- full term you know veteran missionaries with there and I thought man you know I grew up on a chicken farm in northern Wisconsin and I thought man, go to Europe or go overseas or go someplace, you know? So I didn't start out really, uh, Brian was a real, like spiritual you know, <laughs> desire. Like I want to go out and save the world. It was more like, I don't want to go back to the chicken farm, you know, on uh, for the summer. But interesting, he started mentioning things. And as he mentioned, you know, um, uh, Holland and Spain, you know, just to help out, you know, with the, the missionaries, I thought, yeah, yeah. If I felt in my heart, let, let's do that. And so when I, um, You know, when uh, I filled out the application, my girlfriend, who is now my wife, Julie, she said, uh, she says, why don't you try that thing in Spain and Holland? I go, that's exactly what I was thinking. And I and I get it was just a short term thing. I was only in Spain for two weeks. And while I was here, I just saw, you know, I would ask the missionary, I go, where does everybody go to church? And and he said, well, you know, uh, most people don't go to church here in Spain. And my heart just. You just, I mean, God just, like I mentioned before, he just gave me a heart transplant and I just really started um, thinking, man, if there's any place I want to do ministry, it would be here. And I guess for me, Brian, it was, it wasn't, um, I remember leaving after two weeks and I, I actually was, was, was crying and I was saying, God, one day I have to come back to this country and I have to preach the gospel. And when I got back to the United States, even though I was only here for two weeks, my, my mind was one track and I thought I, 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 um, I prayed for Spain. Um, I thought I got to learn Spanish. Uh, I, I wanted to change my major to missions. And it was just like, there's nothing else that I wanted to do but that. And so I guess that's just, you know, and I've had people, Brian, come to Spain for short term missions and just that short visit, God is able to speak to somebody and say, I want you back. And so we have people here today that, are here because of a short-term missions trip.
0: You know, as you were sharing that, one of the things I was thinking is when we think about missions, we so often think about the deep, dark Africa type thing and that that's where people are called. And we might even think that something like Spain or what we would consider a developed country might be kind of a cushy position. Now, obviously, God called you there, but there's a real need. Can you tell us about that need? Oh, man.
2: Oh, man. Yeah, I mean... I mean, every missionary is going to tell you that their, their country is the, is the most needy, you know, because, <laughs> yeah. because I'm sure you had a hundred episodes. Everyone says the same thing, but, but our country is the most needy. So there you go. Um, yeah. But Spain, let me, yeah, Spain is modern. Okay. We're in Europe. We're in Western Europe, Southern Europe. So yeah, I mean, we are in a Western culture, so we have some of the conveniences, but I'll, just if you can grasp this, that, you know, Spain back in the day, I mean, long ago was a, a strong Catholic country. But nowadays, maybe 5% would go to the Catholic church and, and maybe 1% would go to an evangelical or Protestant church. And that might be considered born again. So that means 99 out of a hundred people in Spain don't have their name in the book of life. And so when I, when I preach in the town square, I, I know that. One or two have heard the gospel before, but the rest aren't believers. And we have a team here right now from, from Chi Alpha and the young people, they're able to talk some Spanish and some English to some of the people here. and And they said, I'm so surprised I expected Spain to be different, but... Nobody believes in God. Nobody mm-hmm. believes in God, and and just the they're very humanistic right now. Atheism, agnosticism—that's kind of like the deal. Uh, everybody wants to be that, but to find somebody that loves God, okay? Just Brian, let me one more thing. That you know the 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 young people that are walking through you know our, our streets. We're a very outdoor country, so a lot we do a lot on the street. They don't have parents that are praying for them. In fact, and they don't have grandparents that are praying for them like we do in the States. And so when I ask them, um, you know, have you, have you grown up in a Christian home? No, you know, not, not even grandparents. And so the whole thing's just really sad. The, the need is so crazy that it's just overwhelming. <laughs>
0: Wow. You know, as, as I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking, you know, especially in a country like Spain where, you know, it is, we think of it as developed, but also even governmentally, it seems like there's a, a little bit of animosity toward organized religion. Being in that kind of environment doesn't come without challenges. Can you share a little bit about maybe a challenge that you've faced, a time when you had some, some stuff to, to kind of <laughs> overcome?
2: Yeah, I mean our 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 challenges here we've had we have a, a just an amazing open door right now. Um and I just don't know how long it'll stay open, so we're just taking advantage of it. But we do just like in the states do have a freedom of religion and a and a freedom of speech. So we're able to proclaim the gospel, we're able to pass out tracts um, yeah, we're able to preach on the streets and things like that. And, 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 and they won't shut us down normally, you know, normally, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, our biggest, our biggest challenge isn't with the government right now. Our biggest challenge is against just the, the, uh, the darkness. Um, it's just really hard to explain if you haven't been here, but the, the darkness of when you're standing, okay, I'll just give you an idea. We're, we're on the main square of Spain and there's about a hundred thousand people that, that walk through this square every day. And, and this square has been around for about 700 years. And so, so like the kingdom of darkness has ruled over this square for 700 years. And, and behind us, we have male prostitutes. And the street that comes right, we have 10 streets that come into our square. And one of the streets is the red light district where the female prostitutes are. Um, then we have, you know, the drunks and the drug addicts. Then we have politicians and then we have the, the artists of, 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 of the day that are out on the streets doing their thing. And, and it's like, none of them are Christians. And so we have this, this and the, the promiscuity and the pornography and the, and the lustful spirit that's just constantly here is just is that's probably our biggest challenge is that we are fighting, you know, our 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 fight isn't against flesh and blood, you know, so it's against principalities and powers of darkness. And we really do know that. So when we go out and we do ministry in Spain, um, it's not the government, it's not even, you know, the humanism or the atheism. It's against the darkness. And that's why, you know, we just have such an emphasis on prayer and and proclaiming because we can believe we believe that that'll break through the darkness
0: wow that's really good i'm glad that you broke down the difference and and redirected that so you know even for me constantly learning from from my guests that's amazing as you think about that you've mentioned a little bit about prayer and the the power of prayer can you share with us a little bit about how prayer is the underpinning for what you do
2: oh yeah i mean prayer we have um we have a ministry center right here on the square so we have a coffee house a training center and a prayer house. And and that's the three things we dedicate ourselves to here is prayer, evangelism, and training. And so prayer and evangelism is like a coin. You know, it's one coin, two sides. You're not going to do one without the other. Um, It'd be like a bird with one wing. I mean, it's just not going to fly. So we've really put a great emphasis on prayer. And so our prayer house... Um, our leaders use it all the time, but publicly we're, we, you know, we pray, um, have it open three hours a day and uh, we do a lot of just, uh, we worship, we uh, intercede and we pray the word. Uh, we model some of our stuff um, like what International House of Prayer does in Kansas City just a little bit. And so it gives us some ideas, some, some direction, but yeah, we go down, um, we always spend that time in prayer. Uh, everybody at least spends an hour and a half before they go down to the street, to, because we got to be filled with God.
0: Right. This, is what,
2: this is, Ryan. This is what I really learned. Um, the reason we do what we do is because I used to be an entertainer, and I guess kind of my personality from ever since I was born. You know, my my personality is is, is showman. It's 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 entertainment. It's the stage. I, I I've always done that. It's always been very natural for me. And I remember, um, and I was doing kids ministry. Uh, we had a pretty, uh, pretty cool kids ministry. It was kind of like a sidewalk circus that we traveled all across Spain and we did puppets and unicycles and flaming torches, juggling, balancing, plane spinning, ventriloquism. And we just did the gamut. It was all, it was all great. But, and, and, and God used it and and I love it and I still love it, but something, something amazing happened. Um, it was 20 years ago this month. And God, um, God spoke to me in Southern Spain as I was on a walk in the woods. And he said, if I took away all your stuff, I mean, it was just, it wasn't audible, but it was God. Mm -hmm. He said, if I took away all your stuff, and if you just stood on a park bench with a Bible, what would you have to give to the people? And I thought, my goodness, man, you take away take away my entire kid's ministry with all its props and toys and methods and programs. And, and it didn't take me long. I go, man, if you took that all away, what would I have to give to the people of Spain? I go, well, not a whole lot. And then the Holy Spirit responded. And he says, exactly. Now you need to get, now go out and get what you need. And then from that point, he led me to the 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 chapter in Acts where Peter and John were going to the prayer meeting and, and they were met with a, they they were met uh, at the door by a lame man hmm. and the lame man looks up to him and says, you know, I, and waiting to receive something from them. And they said, we don't have silver and gold, you know? And at that point, you know, it's not like he pulled out a puppet show, but he said, I don't have silver and gold, but what I have, I'll give you. And in the name of Jesus Christ. And see, then the then heavens opened up and the power of God came down. And I thought, oh my, oh my, all we need is the power and anointing of, of, of God. And the only way that we're going to reach this country is if we have the power and the anointing of God and we don't need anything else. And it's not like I'm anti-kids ministry or anti-youth ministry or any methodology. My goodness, no, we're mm-hmm. all using methods. But the, but the main thing is the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we have to give to the people. So to answer the question, that's why prayer is so important, because it, it keeps us focused, it keeps us living holy lives, and it keeps us full of the power of the Spirit.
0: That's, that's a really powerful story. And there was something that really kind of struck me. If I'm doing the math right, it was about 10 years into your time as a missionary, really probably 13 or 14 years of actual ministry. If you count children's ministry and what yep. goes into being in Bible college before this encounter with God. Oh, yeah.
2: Right. Exactly. 13 years. Yep.
0: And, and there's a couple of things. You know, one, I'm really glad for that encounter. But the other one is, would you have ever had that encounter if you hadn't stepped out first? and, and done what, what God was, you know, what you, what you were doing to get to there.
2: You know, this is, I guess, you know, my experience is probably not unlike uh, the experience of a lot of people, but they all have kind of a different story. But, but it is that many of us, whether we're missionaries or pastors, or even lay workers, people that are working in the church, many of us, you say, well, God's given me talents, and I'm not gonna bury my talent, so I'm gonna use my talent for the Lord, and that's that's right, that's good. Um, and you go out and you do it, you do it, you do it. And then there comes a point where God says, Okay, that's fine, but I have to do it through you. And and uh, and a lot of this comes to a, a place where God breaks a minister or or there a breaking comes. Um, into the life of a Christian, I just don't want to limit it to missionaries or pastors, but if there's a breaking that comes into, and then once God breaks us, you know, then he is able to start ministering through us. This is, this, you know, this is what God told me on that same encounter 20 years ago. He said, you've shown me what you can do for me, but if you'll allow me, I'll show you what I can do through you. And that was the difference in my ministry, was this is what I'm doing for God. And then came the breaking, and he says, now let me show you what I can do through you. So he's, it, my ministry isn't based any longer on my talents or, or anything. It's just based on what he does.
0: Man, that is, that's huge. We're going to need to take a break in just a second. But before we do that, I'm wondering... As you think about your life in ministry, is there maybe a key scripture that's been foundational to how you approach life in ministry?
2: Oh, yes. And it's this. It's Matthew 6.33. And just quickly, the reason Matthew 6.33 so stands out to me, and that Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, is um, God started God started showing me through the most random places the... The number 633 um, on the clock, on a CD player, on, on, on the price on some product in the store and 633. And every time I saw 633, I thought of Matthew 633. And so that this has been years he's been doing this. And so seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which translated for me is seek first God's rule in my life and his approval through my obedience, and everything else will be taken care of. And so my theme verse, Brian, is that I would seek that God would be ruling in my life as Lord, and that I would seek to please him and and seek for his approval through my being obedient to what he tells me, and then everything else he'll take care of.
0: Wow, that's great. With that, we are going to need to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to shift our focus a little bit more toward your ministry.
1: Very good. Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions.
3: Hi, it's Scott McClelland with your Leadership Moment. Thanks for jumping in with us. Over the last sessions and the next few, we're going to be talking about a verse from Matthew 23.10. Do not be called leaders, for one is your leader. That is Christ. The words of Jesus, the red letter version. We, uh, we should regard this, uh, verse very highly and give it a central place in our concept of leadership as believers. Um, so we're, we're trying to dig into this a little bit. I think this verse acts as a stumbling block to people who are often trying to, you know, get a better understanding of the subject and it it may actually in our immaturities frighten us away from the subject or cause us to react uh, very uh, drastically uh maybe overreact toward things that are uh even the Lord's trying to teach us we want to do what we can to overcome that and uh also on the other side this this verse acts as a stumbling block to those who are trying to be someone who are trying to uh, espouse their own uh expertise or um, be viewed as principle in leadership. There's a verse in uh, I think it's in third John where John sort of is verbally correcting uh, the person he's writing to or maybe it's more highlighting concept there that uh, we can learn from. He says that there's a certain person among them, who always wants to have the preeminence. And I think the guy's name was Diotrephes, and he says here about Diotrephes that he always wants to have first place. And our desire to have first place, this uh, is a strong parallel to this verse, actually comes into competition with the Lord's first place. This is a part of our fallenness. It's something that Jesus paid to redeem. And, uh, we have to grow, uh, in maturity uh, to realize and recognize when it is that something inside of us is trying to take the first place. We're trying to be preeminent. You might think this is not a real temptation or you might not see it as one, especially if you're not in a, in a place of uh, responsibility where many people are looking to you for answers or guidance. But uh as you get to that place, it certainly is a trap. And none of us are above these kinds of things. We're all human and we share a common weakness. Do we desire to have the preeminence? That is uh, reminding me right now of the words of Thomas, Thomas Akempis. I've said it here before a few times possibly. One quote from him is, we need to love everything for the sake of Christ but to love Christ for his own sake we've got to keep Jesus in the preeminent place where we all have one leader and what we're seeking to do is represent him well to each other and to a fallen world I'm Scott McClellan with your leadership moment thanks for jumping in with us if you'd like to contact me or us please do so at fxmissions.com have a good one.
1: This Leadership Moment was produced in partnership with Engaging Missions. Have your leadership question answered by contacting Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit FX Missions to learn more about how you can grow your leadership and engage in missions. Visit engagingmissions.com for encouragement, insight, and resources from missionaries, ministry leaders, and church planters.
0: All right, we are back with Jacob Bach. He's the the leader of OnTheRedBox.com. dot com. He's a missionary to Spain, and we've been talking a little bit about his life and ministry. But now we're shifting our focus more toward the ministry itself. So, Jacob, would you mind sharing with us? You, you talk about open air proclamation. What does that mean? What do you do?
2: Well, man, I tell you, it's, it's so simple what we do that it's um, we. We have a prayer house, as I mentioned earlier in the program that mm-hmm. where we we spend some time with God, we get filled up with God, we get just um, a word from God, and then what we do is we have this red box, it's a flight case, and it's like you would put an instrument in, you know, but it's just mm-hmm. a, a fl- it's just a box, and inside the box we have tracks, light for the lost tracks and and some objects that we do. When I did kids' ministry, I loved doing object lessons, and so this is called Illustrated Preaching, <laughs> so we always have an object that we use. And then, and we put those objects in the box, and then it has wheels and a handle. And we go from our prayer house, we go out to this town square called Puerta de Sol, which is the epicenter of Madrid, and it's also the epicenter of all of Spain. It's the ground zero, it's the mile marker zero where all the roads begin in all the entire country. We're right in the middle of the country. It's a peninsula. And so it's very emblematic. It's the most, it's the most important square in the entire country. And so we just walk out our front doors and, and, and we're in the square and we put down the red box. And we'll maybe have somebody get up and, and sing a song. Uh, we have some folks that are extremely anointed with evangelistic singing. We don't use microphones because it takes permission from the government to use microphones and because we're out every day, um, it's just not possible. So we've learned to just project our voices. So she sings and then we have people give two minute testimonies of how Jesus changed their life or why they love Jesus Then we'll do an illustrated message, which is like a parable. It's storytelling and proclaiming what Jesus did for us. And it's very cross-centered. And that message will last about six, maybe seven minutes. And then we'll offer a gospel of Luke to the people that are listening and say, we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to pray with you. And we'd offer that uh, gospel for free. And and then we will go. Into personal evangelism. And then we'll maybe do personal evangelism for 20, 25 minutes and we'll start up a whole other round a song, a testimony, a preaching, and then we'll go into personal evangelism. And so that's the extent of what we do. We don't, we don't do anything else. I mean, that's, that's what God is using right now.
0: So you mentioned that you know you've got a couple minutes of this and a few minutes of that. It sounds like the whole thing takes like maybe 15 to 30 minutes. Is that an accurate assessment? I would
2: say yeah, I would say maybe fifteen to 20 minutes, okay It is like our entire we call it a round of evangelism. so yeah, but within 15 or 20 minutes, uh, people um, you know there's all sorts of reactions, but people will come by, mm-hmm. and um, those that stick with us till the end are, are the ones that we feel like God has sifted and separated from the rest. And they're the ones that have an open heart. And then we just turn and, and we have a team of an evangelism. So every night we're out six nights a week. So each night we have a group from, and, and people come from different churches. Hmm. So even though we're assemblies of God, we have people coming from the Baptist and the brethren and, and uh, uh, Presbyterian. There's just different, we have a few churches here in Spain and, and they want to learn how to do evangelism. So they come to us. And so we may have between, maybe eight and 25 soul winners a night that, that would come and join us on the street. So they formed the first crowd and we stand up on the box, lift up our voice. They formed the first crowd. They listen to us as though they were just part of the crowd. And then when we're done, they just turn and talk to the people that are standing next to them.
0: Wow. That's great. So as I'm thinking about the, the flow of the interview, I've got a couple of questions I hadn't really considered before, and I'm kind of taking a left turn. Are you comfortable with that?
2: Yep, I'm I'm comfortable with left
0: turns. Awesome. So the first thing I'm wondering is you mentioned that you have people sharing their story, what God means to them in a couple of minutes. Would you mind sharing that, your story with us?
2: Yeah, yeah. So this is what a two-minute testimony would look like. Um, you know, hey, my name is Jacob, and, you know, I, I was going to church ever since I was a little kid. And I was one of those guys that would go to church, you know, and have a Bible and I could even say the prayers or even sing some of the songs. And, and I'd feel really guilty when I went to church. And then by Sunday night. And the whole rest of the week, I was living like a devil. I mean, I tell you what I did. I mean, I did so many things that didn't please God. By the time I got into my teenage years, you know, getting drunk on the weekends. And the only thing I was interested in was girls and not in a nice way. And so my life was kind of spinning out of control, just live for myself, full of selfishness. And one day, a girl, she invites me to a Bible camp. And I had been to Bible camps before, but I was more interested in just going with her, so I said yes. And we get to this Bible camp, and when we get to the Bible camp, she said adios because she already had a boyfriend. Basically, she just wanted me to get to the camp. <laughs> and so so here I am at this camp, and... Um, and I'm listening to what they're saying. And, and, and all of a sudden, while I was sitting there in this big auditorium with about 300 young people, I was 17 years old. It's as though God came up to me somehow and in an invisible way. And he took off the veil, kind of a blinder that I had on my eyes. All of a sudden, I saw my sin. Like I'd never seen it before. I mean, I saw the stuff that I did that displeased God and all my immorality and my, and my language and my disobedience and, and my rebellion against God. And all of a sudden I knew, I knew. That if I died that day, I'd go to hell. Even though I had prayed so many times, nothing had ever changed in my life. And I called out to God and I said, God, have mercy. God, just forgive me. Come in and change me from, from the inside I'll Take my past and present and future and do whatever you want with me. And this is what happened. is like the spirit of God came into my life. I took out that heart of stone and gave me a new heart and heart of flesh a new nature. And everything changed. All of a sudden, I loved God. All of a sudden, I desired to follow him and obey him. And I had a desire for reading the Bible. And I, all I wanted to do from that moment on was go out and, and just live my life for Jesus and, and and encourage other people to do the same. You know, that, what Jesus did for me, it happened over 35 years ago. And, and it's so real. And he wants to do that in your life today, too. So that would be more or less like what my testimony would be.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the thing I like about that is it's very personal, right? It's yours. You don't have to try and make up somebody else's testimony for him.
2: Right. It's just my story. And what what we really encourage people to do is, you know, talk about talk about their before and after you know sometimes it's a little bit harder for church kids but oh yeah yeah but i was a church kid too so but i mean there's a there is a time in your life when the spirit shows you your your sin and and you have to you have to turn from it you have to repent and repentance isn't isn't preached much in the church um and and so it's so important because you know there is no salvation without repentance i mean unless we turn from our sin and turn to christ there's no salvation so we always uh, try to emphasize that too
0: that's good. So now, as I'm thinking about this ministry, I know that you're doing open air proclamation, and I know that you're seeing results, if you will. Would you mind sharing maybe just one story of how God is transforming lives through what you're doing?
2: Oh my! I tell you, God's transforming my life. <laughs> you know, I think first and God's always on on His agenda is always to change us as well as changing those people that we're listening. So it's been absolutely. Amazing for my own life, but as far as the people that are are listening to us, my goodness, well, I'll tell you this Brian, we get to pray with people every single night on the street, and it's not because we're awesome, it's just because we're out there, oh, okay, that was good, yeah, no that was that was good Look, I, I believe that one was from God.
0: <laughs>
2: I because it's not like, okay, like we're the most awesome preachers in the world. We're just kind of like, whatever. I'm a chicken farmer, you know, from Northern Wisconsin. And I love to proclaim the gospel. But what I'm saying is the reason God is moving out in the marketplace is because we're out there and we are co-laborers with Christ. And so if we're not out there, he doesn't move, you know, we don't see it. And so if we just get out there, and and I would encourage even the churches. You know, what I mean, you say, oh, no, 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 that doesn't work. Well, you see, God always works. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 a lot of times we say, you know, open air would never pre, you know, work in my. You know, the thing is, God always works, and and the gospel always works, and 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 even though we don't see all the results that we desire to see with our own eyes, every time. Oh, okay, I can give you just a ton of testimonies. Um. Okay. So there was a guy, okay, this is really quick. Okay, so there's this guy from another country. He was listening to us, and he, he was a warlock. Okay, he was a Satanist. He, he did blood sacrifices. He worked for governments, okay? I mean, presidents of governments. And uh, he listened to us, and, and some, one of our soul winners, a young lady, goes up to him and says, hey, what would you think about what we were saying? He goes, I don't want to know anything about what you're saying. <laughs> so anyway, she invites him to our coffee house and she said, would you like to come to our coffee house? And we could just talk, which we don't normally do just that. But and she had no idea who this guy was. Okay. And he says, what are you going to do to me? And she said, nothing, just like have a coffee. And so he goes up there and has a coffee. But right next to our coffee house, you open up the door to the back end of our coffee house and you walk into our prayer house. Mm-hmm. So he goes up to the coffee house and then she said, would you like to see our prayer house? And for some reason he said yes. And he goes into the prayer house and he he becomes paralyzed by the presence of God for more than forty five minutes. He just shook, and he was having some sort of you know a demonic manifestation. And I walked, I, I went up to him and I called him by name because they told me his name. I says, if if you, I said, I know you're being tormented by evil spirits and if you want we'll pray in the name of jesus and we'll and we'll cast them out would you like that and he goes see see which means yes of course <clears throat> and and we laid our hands on him prayed for him as soon as we said you know as soon as we started praying he falls on the ground and he says help me help me what do i do and i says we'll just call out to jesus And he goes jesus 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 what do i need to do i says repent of your sin i i repent of my sin i said name your sin and he starts naming all this Wretched stuff! He was completely set free from those evil spirits. The next day, he w- he goes back. He quits all of his witchcraft. Got a hold of a Bible. Broke up with his girlfriend because he was married. Broke up with his girlfriend, and we brought him into discipleship. And so that was because we just stood out on the box, gave a proclamation, and he happened to listen to us. And then we find out there's only one Christian in his family. Hmm it's a sister. And, and she is actually, she was actually in the middle of a 40 day fast (laughs) praying for the salvation of her brother when that happened. Wow. So bring it home. Come on. That is absolutely amazing. That's one, that's one. Or I could tell you the one when I was talking and I won't tell you the story, but I mean, I was, I was talking to a guy and, and, and I didn't know who he was, but he was dressed very nicely. Come to find out, he was a diplomat from one of the Arab Muslim embassies in town. And he invited me to come to the embassy and tell him more. And so I went to the embassy, and behind closed doors, he sat in the chair, looked me straight in the face, and says, I want to know why you proclaim Jesus and serve Jesus and not Muhammad. Hmm. I says, okay, I'll tell you. So for an hour and a half, I told them about the cross. It was absolutely amazing. Got to pray with the guy, um, and we could go on and on. And just just people um, that walk through the square this their last day in Madrid, and they just happen to be walking through the square, and there and there we are. And they hear a bit of the gospel. We get a hold of them, and they have an encounter with God. And it's Brian. It's like that all the time. It's just like that
0: all the time. That's great, you know. So for for you as a listener, uh, th- those who are listening, I just wanted to key in on a couple of things. One is they're effective because they're where God called them to be, and they're just out there, right? It's not an amazing person or anything amazing <laughs> other than God. And the right. other one is, you know, I don't, I don't. There's sometimes this sense that we need to find the right model, if you will, for ministry. And so if you're looking at this, going well open air proclamation works. Well, it's really God that works, right? So open air proclamation does work if God's doing it. So if God's calling you in that direction, look into it, see where God's leading you. If you're just looking for a model, keep seeking God, not the model. That's just, that's for free. Jacob. No,
2: that's free. That was rich. That That was amazing. You nailed it.
0: So as as you think about your life in ministry, you know we've talked about some of the challenges, some of the exciting things. Sometimes there can be this sense that for someone who's an evangelist that they're just looking for another notch on their belt, so to speak. And I know that's not the case. Would you share with us what it is that fuels your passion in ministry?
2: Oh, oh man, how how long do we got? Uh, um,
0: probably another three or four minutes before we need to take the next break.
2: Okay. Well, what fuels? It fuels. I'll tell you what. Um, yeah, there's in Europe there's no notches on belts. Let me tell you, we have learned to do everything for the glory of God. And I know, Brian, that one day, my payday, my results are not now. Hmm. And, and, and and some water, some plant, but God gives the increase and he says he will reward, he will repay everyone for what they have done. And so one day I'm going to stand before God and that's when my payday is going to come because I don't see near as much as, as what God is really doing. I don't see it. But what fuels me, what fuels me is the cross. The biggest thing that fuels me, I've got all sorts of motivations, but the one that motivates me the most is I. God has just given us a revelation of the cross, of, of the doctrines of the cross, of what Jesus did on the cross, of the atonement and, and when I see the love of God reaching out to mankind, coming through the cross, and, and I say, okay, and that's what motivates me. I say, for the love of the, what Jesus did for us, let's be out there. Let's proclaim. Let's witness. And, 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 and I'll conclude with this one. I just thought, I mean, have we ever been rejected? You know you've been jilted by a girl or a guy or a divorce, or who knows but or or a, a job that dumped you, fired you, and you've just been rejected, and that knife in the heart that feels like you've been re- you know you were rejected, and you know what gee we we go out and we we extend the invitation to whosoever will every day, and we hear people say the raunchiest things when we preach, and we we see a thousand Reject Christ for everyone that accepts and I go how that must hurt the heart of God who has who has emotion and yet after all he's done and what he paid for and people reject him it's just got to break his heart and so Brian I guess one of the things that motivates me is understanding what he's done for us let's just get out there and let's proclaim what he's done
0: so, as we close out this section, I just had one other question I wanted to get to, and I'm I'm wondering as you look over the years of ministry, is there anything that you wish you would have done differently?
2: Well, I my kind of the the way I try to live my life, I try to live it without regrets, um, and I don't always get to. But I wish that I would have, I wish that I would have understood. The cross earlier on in my ministry. You know, it maybe sounds just like, it maybe sounds like a Sunday school thing, Mm -hmm. but um, God has just given such an amazing understanding of the cross to us that I wish I would have had it even back when I was doing kids' ministry because I tell Bible stories, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Daniel in the lion's den, but it was really lacking in the cross. And so, um, we have people that are in children 's ministry that are, that are in our ministry, that are doing an amazing job preaching the cross to the kids. I wish I would have had that earlier. That would probably be the only thing I
0: change. Wow, that's good. I mean, just the the idea of being Sunday school. There's nothing wrong with Sunday school. That Sunday school is where I learned so much about God. So so much of what I know is because other people invested in my life. So right. yeah, big deal. Uh, with that, we are going to go ahead and take one more quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus more toward you as the listener, drawing from Jacob's experience and resources.
1: Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Mission Show
3: thing we find is God blesses people more than he blesses programs and strategies. And so, I mean, I was in Jacksonville, Florida a few years ago, and there's met a lady there. God just brought, um, burdened her to reach her city, and she did unusual things. She went through the phone book when anyone with a strange name, she wrote a letter to them and sent a tract and told them how much God loved them. And now God's using her all around the world, all around the U.S., to start center ESL centers or things to un- unreach peoples. But it's those people who are willing to do the things that other people aren't willing to do. God blesses those people.
1: If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Missions show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe.
0: All right. We are back with Jacob Bach. He just totally floored me with some of the stuff that he shared in the last section, especially that thing about being effective in ministry just because they're there. But now we're going to shift our focus more toward you as the listener. So Jacob, thinking about the people who listen to this show primarily called into the marketplace, what would you share with somebody who is called into the marketplace, cares about missions and ministry, but is starting to wonder if what they do really matters for the kingdom?
2: Oh my, yeah, no, I'm just, I just like to encourage those, uh, I think, every, I mean, the very first thing that I said when I was born again at 17, I was, um, it was on July 10th, 1979, I remember getting up from the altar at that Bible camp, and the very first thing that I remember saying coming out of my mouth was, I want to go out and save the world, <laughs> and you know, five minutes before, all I wanted was a girlfriend, Yeah. and so it's like, it's like, where did that come from? And so when, so when the Holy Spirit comes in, his, it was him that said that. It was him. It was, it was God saying that through me. I want to go out and save the world. So I know that those that are in the marketplace, um, they have that desire. And so I would, I would say, you know, to, to be, and, and almost all Christians feel so ineffective in evangelism. And and that's kind of where we've come in, uh, at least for the church here in Spain and and abroad. Some is just helping people become more effective in evangelism and to. And I would say, could you repeat the question again? I I, I just totally like rabbit trailed off that. Oh, thing.
0: you're nailing it! It's what would you share with somebody if they're starting to wonder if what they do really matters it, in the kingdom? Is,
2: is it really matter? Is it effective? Oh my goodness! I I mean I I hammer this thing in. To everybody that comes here or that reads my blog, and I'm constantly saying it, anything that you do for the kingdom's sake really matters. And you've got to, as an American listener, if you're listening from America, as an American listener, you've got to get the results, show me numbers thing out of your thinking because it's not kingdom thinking. It's American thinking. It's... um. And it's, it's wrong thinking if you're going to be working uh, in the kingdom because God tallies the results. People say, well, how many people got saved through your ministry? Does it really work? I said, well, there is a book and there is a tally of everybody that got saved because of what we do here. And it's called the Book of Life, but the only guy that's got access to it is Jesus. So if you need to know really how many people got saved, you got to ask him. And and the thing is, because our planting and our watering, one phrase mentioned to somebody at Walmart if you see somebody that's 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 like seems depressed or something. You go up and ask them, you know, hey, how are things going? And notice that you maybe look a little. Hey, can I say a word of prayer for you? Anything that you do is, is can make can make can give eternal results. And I'll tell you this: I'll tell you that you're not going to see you're not going to see ninety nine percent of the good that you're actually doing. You can bank on that. You may be see one percent, and you be and you be thankful that you don't really. You, we want to see more, but if God allowed you to see more than that one percent, man, we get so haughty and so proud, and then we think that we're you know the, the the most awesome thing in the world, and then God would have to resist us because we're proud. But 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 we are doing more good. We are doing way more good than than you actually can imagine. So passing out gospel literature or personal evangelism or, or 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 praying for people in the marketplace everything advances the kingdom
0: wow so you you totally nailed me with that thing about feeling uh, ineffective in evangelism. That's totally me. I feel like I'm horribly ineffective in evangelism. So I appreciate you sharing also the thing about the results because looking on this side of the microphone, definitely an American sitting here, uh, continuing to struggle to be a a citizen of the the kingdom. Right. Right. But yeah. So, as I think about the world and how things are changing, one of the things I've noticed living in Nashville is that you know my next door neighbor is from Zimb- uh, from Zimbabwe. I have a neighbor across the street from Africa. What would you share with somebody if they're being, beginning to look up and they see that their neighbors, their coworkers, uh, maybe the people they see in the grocery store are from some place where we thought only missionaries go?
2: Right. Well, I mean, what an amazing opportunity. Yeah, we well, has see the same thing here in Spain, but we have. Um, it's just like a melting pot of uh, when people leave their country, they become very vulnerable and they become they become very lonely and they become very open to some new ideas and new thoughts. Um, we have a lot of people from Morocco, which is northern Africa, that come into Spain and their predominant religion is Islam. And so they come up here, you know, and they are totally outside of their comfort zone and they stop and listen to us preach. Hmm. And it's like, I mean, if you have like a Muslim neighbor, what an amazing thing, you know, what an amazing thing. Jesus died for, for everyone. And, and, and to be able to talk. And if, if anybody will talk to you about God, a Muslim will, I mean, we we can talk to, to the Muslims more about God than just the atheists. They don't even want to talk about God, but the Muslim will talk. And so, um, I would say, you know, as you see all your international people around you, be, befriend them, you know, befriend them, um, and find out their name and and just praying. You know, one of the things that you guys, you know, Brian, as you were talking about, hey, this is, you know, you know, it, it's you know, in America, you know, I feel ineffective and stuff. One of the things that you can you can give to people that doesn't going to cost you anything, and that's prayer. Hmm. That's prayer. Okay, I'll, I'll give one. I'll give. Can I? Can I give, give A- one thing? Absolutely. I have to- the thing that happened on the street the other night. We had we had I had this we had this we had a neighbor girl that that played with my daughter when they were like in third grade. I haven't seen her since third grade. She's now she's now 21 years old and she's into Buddhism and she her life is messed up and everything and she says she says I want to see you guys. Okay, I haven't seen her. I haven't seen her for like 15 20 years. So anyway, so she comes down to our ministry. She walks into the prayer room and begins to weep. Hmm. Because of the presence of God. And then she comes out of the prayer room after an hour and a half. Okay. And she doesn't even go to a Christian. She's never been to a Christian church. After an hour and a half, she says, can I go down onto the street when you guys preach? Will I feel God when I go down there too? <laughs> I go, yeah, you feel God down there too. So we go down to the street. She's on the street with us for three hours. And, and, I'm, and, and, and a lady from the Czech Republic comes up to me. She speaks some English. And she goes, who are you guys? And I says, you know, whatever. So I and I and I and I just witnessed to her some. And she kind of walked away and you know, like she wasn't very interested. That's the way she looked. But now, but now three hours later, I preach. And when I get down off the thing, my friend that I had met when you know when we were when she was a little girl, she says, I've got to go now. And I said, Well, you're not gonna go until I pray for you. Okay, right when I say that, the Czech Republic girl returns after like about an hour. She goes, I got to talk to you. I said, well, just a minute. I'm going to pray for this girl. She said, but your words, your words, they were, they were powerful. They just kept hitting me, hitting me. I got a question for you. (laughs) I said, okay, just wait. I pray for this girl. I said, so I get, I asked the girl, I said, give me your hand. So, so she, so she gives me her hand. I said, father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for, and I mentioned her name and that your Holy spirit, the, the girl breaks down on the street and she's just sobbing because she's feeling the presence of God. And then. And then the girl from the Czech Republic, I says, she looks at my friend. She goes, why are you crying? She goes, I don't know. It's the energy of God. It's the energy of God. <laughs> and, so, and so she goes off with some other uh, and goes back home. And the, and the Czech Republic girl says, she says, you were talking to me. And she says, I can't get the words out of my head. And, and, and she says, my parents were never married. And that makes me a bastard child.
0: Hmm.
2: And I go, wow. I said, "Well, you know what? You don't have to give an account for what your parents did. I said you only have to give an account for what you did. And, and as a matter of fact, I said I have a God who's a father who wants to reach down and adopt you and make you into His child, and you can be His daughter." And what, and and she's and then so we witnessed some more. And I said, "Well, you're not going to go until I pray for you." And she says, "Okay." So I pray for her. She says. As I'm praying for her, she says, I'm going to faint. I'm going to (laughs) faint. So she's feeling the presence of God. So what I'm trying to say to everybody is, is when you're full of God, man, you don't have to be awesome. You just, just be a child of God, be full of God and pray with somebody, touch them, pray with them, take their hand, pray with them. And they can have an experience with God. You don't even have to be like an awesome evangelist and God can do a work in
0: their life. Wow, that's that's amazing stuff. I'm really glad that you shared all of that. Is there maybe a tool, an internet resource, a book, something that you'd recommend for our listeners? Oh
2: man, yeah, you guys will absolutely love this. Um, on our on our website, ontheredbox.com, dot com. Um, it just sells what we do, and you can you can see some of our resources there. But there's a tab on our website called the Network, and if you sign up for the Network, it's free. Just a username and a password. You'll have access to all of our eBooks and all of our videos, um, and you download those video. I mean, not the videos. Download the eBooks on Aim for the Heart, uh, Shameless. God's got a wonderful plan for your life, and there's some great stuff there to help you be more effective in evangelism. Sign up uh, uh, as a friend. That's the, the name of it, and, and, and be in contact. If you have any questions, you can just write me, and we'll we'll answer within the day.
0: Awesome. Well, for those of you who are listening, we'll definitely have all of this linked up in the show notes, which will be at engagingmissions.com slash Jacob Bach. Bach is B-O-C-K. Now, Jacob, we are just about done. Would you maybe share with us one last piece of advice and, um, and then we'll say goodbye?
2: Yeah. Well, I, I guess my last, my last thought for everybody would just be, just do what God has called you to do. You don't have to go to Spain and stand on a red box to please God. And you don't have to be a pastor to please God. God, before the foundation of the world, has prepared good works for you to walk in. And, 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 and keep yourself from envy of wanting to be some like somebody else or doing what somebody else does. Because God has specifically ordained certain people that you're going to talk to, people that are going to be into your path and he's given you things that he's given nobody else. As a matter of fact, if you don't do it, he's not going to ask somebody else to do it because they've got to do their own thing. So just be obedient and to what God has called you to do, As even as a layperson, not just as, 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 as a secretary or working at Starbucks. Just do what God has called you to do. Live in holiness. Be a person of prayer. Listen to the voice of the Spirit and just follow him.
0: Wow, that was excellent, Jacob. Thank you so much for being with us. This has been a true pleasure. Great.
2: Thank you so much for 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 inviting
0: me. Thanks for joining us. It was really great to have you with us, and also a huge thank you to Jacob for taking the time to do this. I really do appreciate it. It's not always easy to make the time to do this, especially with ministry and that kind of stuff, so I really appreciate that. As I mentioned, the show notes are available at engagingmissions.com slash bach. That's where you'll find links to all of the resources we talked about, as well as a few um, quick tweets if you want to do a one- one-click quote or something like that, that's all available for you right there. One last time, though. Thanks for being here. It was great to have you.
1: Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission show. You can find more great content like this, along with show notes, by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.